Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Your host for today's episode is our founder and CEO, Mr. Fred Studley. We're fortunate to talk to Leo Benani, an experienced treasury executive working in a wide variety of multinational companies as an internal executive as well as an external consultant. We'll explore the treasury function and its importance. He'll offer pragmatic career advice on treasury as well as general advice on navigating the challenges of work. I know you'll enjoy this discussion. Welcome to CareerPod, Leo. Thank you, Fred. Uh, well, first of all, Leo, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your early life and education and sure. factors that may have influenced your career choices and direction? I'm a native of Boston. I've lived here all my life. Um, my parents immigrated from Italy after the Second World War, uh, and uh, I attended uh, school in Boston. I was very fortunate to uh, attend Harvard uh, for my college years, and then uh, got an MBA at Columbia uh, after that uh, in New York. I think it was the experience I had at Columbia in New York, where uh, it's a pretty, pretty large financial capital of the world, that drove me into finance. And one experience I had there in one of my classes where I had to um, shadow the treasurer of a, uh, of a company based in New York that steered me down the, uh, the path to uh, enter the treasury area from a professional perspective. Okay. And I guess that was an early mentor uh, for you? Uh, I would I would say he was an early mentor from the perspective of he he opened he opened my my eyes I guess to the perspective that there was a, a lot a lot of aspects of finance that are out there and uh, his was sort of one corner of it so to speak and it was a corner that I thought was absolutely fascinating and as I worked with this fellow um, for about a couple of months as part of one of the courses I was taking in Columbia. Okay, all right. And then if you look at uh, the skills that you acquired, experiences, maybe even aptitude, what kind of uh, uh, you know, kind of prerequisites do you believe uh, help a person to enter this uh, field of treasury? Uh, good. Uh, well, first, the good communication skills are absolutely essential, uh, both written and oral. Uh, you're you're presenting to different parts of management. Uh, you uh, you need to clearly articulate your positions and thoughts in terms of what you want to do and different strategies, etc. Uh, but also, uh, technical skills are very important in terms of. Um, you know, I mean, basically, just you, you, in these days, using things like Excel spreadsheets and, uh, and different financial tools like that, and uh, and being able to uh, essentially uh, uh, take that kind of skill set and apply it at a moment's notice in, in terms of whatever the task may be at hand. Okay, and it certainly has changed over the years. Uh, it's ever changing. You know, um, the whole field of you know risk management, cash management. Uh, and and how about the international exposure? Was that a, a goal of yours to get experience in the international field? Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny when I when I sort of look at when I was sort of look at work, getting more involved in the international side. It's something that kind of came naturally to me. Maybe it's because my my parents, uh, as I say, were, uh, were came over from Italy, and I was first generation in the United States. And uh, so I always had a bit of a facility with that in terms of uh, going back to visit relatives and things like that. Okay. Also, what I found out early on is that um, a lot of people in the United States tend to um, be a, sort of leery of, of international things in, in terms of it, sometimes it can be confusing, sometimes it can be a challenge. And, and I found myself just being in a position where it sort of came naturally to me. And, and that was, I guess, one advantage I saw from a career perspective in that if you, if you knew no something was international and you're in terms of looking for new positions or advanced positions, it became, became to be, uh, something that was of great value to the people who were looking at you from a, as a candidate for a particular job. Okay. Uh, now, one of the things we'd like to learn uh, for listeners who are looking into getting into this field or maybe in it, 
uh, is what are the basic tasks and responsibility uh, in in Treasury? Sure. Um, yes, from from uh, sort of a building block perspective, you basically control the checkbook of the company. So essentially, day by day, you're 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 working on cash management to make sure you have money to pay the bills. You uh, also for, uh, combine that with risk management in terms of currency or interest rate or however the capital structure of the company may be. You're responsible for uh, relations with, with your bankers uh, to make sure that uh, operationally they are doing what you need them to do, as well as when uh, financings come along, that uh, you've got a good relationship with them and they can put the best deal on the table at the best price. Uh, and lately, insurance has become part of the treasurer's uh, bailiwick, uh, which is something that I'm not an insurance expert, but over the course of time, I've learned enough insurance, I guess, to be dangerous enough. But uh, okay. uh, the, there's, uh, there's uh, a great opportunity to, to diversify there as well. And, and in, in a way, you become a jack-of-all-trades uh, in yep. terms of uh, your window on the company. Okay. Uh, and I mentioned mentoring before. Uh, as you yep. matured in your career, uh, did you have a number of mentors that helped you progress? I would say two people. One was a gentleman named Dick Buckingham at Computer Vision, uh, and uh, he uh, he was a great mentor of mine uh, while I was there, and also for years later. And I stayed in contact with him uh, quite some time after we, we stopped uh, working together professionally. And also, uh, when I was at Reebok for a few years, a gentleman named Paul Duncan uh, was CFO, my boss, and he uh, has an interesting way of being a mentor uh, in terms of how he approached uh, relationships with his direct reports, but I learned quite a bit from him and somebody also that uh, I've called on after that. In fact, I ran into him on an airplane about a year ago when I was going out to California to visit with a company I was doing some work for. All right. Yeah, and how about did you adopt any of these mentoring approaches uh, when you had subordinates? Uh, what was your own approach to mentoring? Yeah, I think one one thing that Paul Duncan taught me was that uh, his philosophy was he when he was hiring people that to go out and hire the, the smartest people he could find, even if they were smarter than you, because ultimately if they look they they look good, they'll make you look good. Yeah. And so I've, I've applied that, and in terms of when I've hired people, in terms of looking at them from that perspective, as far as. Uh, Getting the, the smartest people I could find because uh, that way uh, it would be, be be more conducive to having the group be, be successful. The group is successful than I was successful. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good takeaway for anybody that's got supervisory responsibilities, and it's it goes to intelligence and experience. Sometimes a fear people are fearful of hiring people that have significant experience or you know are very smart because they they feel their own security or insecurity. When in fact, good people push you up and they give you the ability to, to work up the organization and, and, and as opposed to being drawn down and so forth. Well, that's good. Uh, what would you recommend uh, for a person in, uh, let's say he's in a, a mid-career job in Treasury, uh, what kind of exposure would the person have to give? What kind of skill building do you think would be helpful? And this is contrast with the entry-level person, what kind of things should they look for? Well, I think at that point in your career, you're, you're looking to basically become um, more of a, somebody who's sort of visible within the organization in terms of um, uh, being of um, value and assistance. Uh, one, one, one analogy I'll give you, Fred, is that uh, uh, I use sort of as a metric of my success uh, sort of at that, that career stage is that uh, when uh, Treasury tends to dip its fingers in a lot of different areas because we need to know uh, sort of take the pulse of the organization from a wide-ranging perspective because ultimately everything boils down to cash and, and, and financial risk. If we don't know what's going on in different parts of the company that can affect that, then we're not really doing our job. So that um, 
the, the one one sort of uh, unofficial measure of success I always uh, try to judge myself by is that after I've been with an organization or even at mid level um, or higher higher up in terms of how how can I tell I'm being successful? How I tell sometimes is that if I have people either come to my door or call me up and, and say, you know what, I got a, I have a question that I'm not sure who to ask to, but I'm gonna I figure I should call you treasury guys because you guys get involved in everything. Yeah. And that when I when I hear that then I then I say to myself, ah, now it's time to make an impact. Right, right. So in to do that, you can't manage your desk. You have to be out uh, with yep. the constituents and the uh, the people exactly. in those jobs. That's, that's important. Yeah, because a lot, a lot of time, a lot of times, Fred, uh, when you're doing any kind of an analysis or work like like that, uh, the the num- the numbers, so to speak, that you need to do that type of activity. You you have no no control nor any um, uh, say so in terms of who does it and who produces them, but you need data from people who basically have no no uh, reporting relationship to you. So essentially, the other thing I, I look at in treasury is that in terms of you have to be most a good financial person and a good diplomat. Okay. If you're a diplomat in terms of finding people who, who have what you need and basically convincing them that you know it's important that they sometime out of their schedule to produce the the files or reports or whatever that are are absolutely critical to you to get your job done. Yeah, and that's that's kind of an interesting point because I suspect a lot of the people you're getting data from look at you primarily as a control person, as opposed to right. a problem solver or an uh, to exactly. enable them. Exactly. So that, that or or sometimes or, yeah, or yeah. sometimes it's more like kind of like you know it's got to give me more work to do and I don't need more work to do. Okay, uh, and then uh, so part of this is the success you need to. Uh, build uh, is relying on some other abilities that are more generic, meaning, you know, building credibility, communication skills that you mentioned before, and so forth. Okay. Interpersonal skills are very important here, Fred, uh, because like, like I say, you're, you're dealing with people who are not part of your reporting chain, but also from, from the perspective that uh, you want to let people know that uh, what you're doing is very important to the company, and, and, and which means it's important to everybody in the company, not just, just you. Yep. And uh, and that, that's where the diplomatic skills come in, in terms of convincing people to do something that they not necessarily want to do right off the bat. Right. Now, I did a little research on the function and trends. Uh, uh, it's And it probably goes to your business model and your consulting practice that you you offer a service now to companies that don't have a full-scale treasury function. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. That's correct. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the professional career path, I guess you're going to call it that, uh, has kind of evolved a lot over the last, say, 20 years, where uh, the if you look at the Massachusetts area, or New England in general, when I sort of came into the marketplace here, there were a lot of large companies that were um, – uh, each of them had fairly well-developed treasury departments, and uh, and so that, that sort of that was the training ground I came up through. Those training grounds don't exist anymore because a lot of those companies have gone, either been merged or are basically uh, over, overtaken by other other companies. And uh, what we have now is more of a corporate structure that's got a lot of mid, middle mid-market companies in there. Whereas, as you just mentioned, uh, they don't really have the, the resources or, or at times the need for full-time treasury activity. But what I found in uh, Working uh, with um, uh, a lot of people that I knew that they had board positions or senior management positions in, in some companies in the area, that even though they might not have have the immediate need for a full time full time person, uh, they, the skill set is something that they, they need as well in one capacity or another, which is sort of where I, I built the niche in terms of uh, looking at it and talking to people at it from the perspective of uh, look at me as your outsourced part time treasurer, and uh, you know you, you have the skill set all around in terms of what what you need, but you don't need everything all the time, and just so you basically. You, you buy what you need when you need it, and 
and it's developed into a nice little uh, little cottage industry for me. Good, that's great, uh, because one of the trends or uh, that people talk about is the 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 function's lack of budget is a big roadblock uh, to either invest in new emerging technology or or staff for that matter. Uh, exactly. I mean, if you, staff staff is a, a great great example where. Uh, when I when I first got in and got involved in treasury activity, I remember the first company I worked for. We had a treasury department of 25 people yep. for a company that was doing about two billion in revenue. About maybe 10 years later, uh, 10 15 years later, I was a treasurer of a two or three billion dollar company, and I had a treasury staff of six people. Yep, uh, that's the kind of point. Uh, speaking of technology, uh, how has emerging technologies really impacted the the job of uh, treasurer? Uh, technology is always something you have to to, to wrestle with, um, and uh, in the United Treasury, but in the finances as a whole, I think one of the one of the things that I always uh, something I follow for the time is that the tool that's been out there for many years is called Treasury Workstation, which is sort of a, a collection of different types of uh, technology that allows uh, you to, to basically do your uh, better job of collecting data and managing data to, to basically apply it either from a cash management or risk management perspective. But I've, I've never utilized one of these things. When I've, when I've looked at them, uh, even though they're sort of emerging technologies in the treasury area, they, they, it seems like the people who design them never really talk to the treasurers as far as uh, what do you need, what do you use, et cetera. And sort of like they were a lot of nice to have, but not really needed to have. Okay. All right. And uh, let, let's go back to the job and uh, how you feel about it. If you look at your career, and it may have varied job to job, but what typically have been the frustrating parts of uh, the treasury job for you? I think for frustra- the frustrating parts have been the situations where um, you, you you feel you have something something to contribute, but uh, the, your voice is not being heard, and then your voice is not being heard because uh, you know, there's just sort of a, um, a general uh, I don't know how to really put it, but um, just a general tendency to, treat, to look at treasury as sort of a function that, that may not add, add the value that we think we're adding. Uh, I've had some CFOs at times that say to me, you know what, you treasury guys are a dime a dozen, and, and uh, <laughs> what I really need is a good tax guy or, or a good accountant. Right. And, uh, but, and and in fact, I've got one one client I have right right now where uh, the CFO was was very uh, receptive of the, the as I said the part-time treasury model that I had mentioned earlier. The controller who I ultimately doing, ended up doing a lot of work with, she she was not quite so convinced. Uh, but it was sort of like this, when I, when we got into some situations where. Um, she has problems, and I fix them for her. Then, then she started to become convinced. Yeah, and I I, I suspect the job uh, is one of uh, it, there's facts involved, there's data, but there's also opinion in terms of uh, there are some things that you offer that are not a certitude in terms of outcome, and then everybody's an uh, expert in in your field, and that's always a challenge too. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, even even uh, even at the, at the board level, um, it's, it's, uh, I once remarked to someone that uh, you know, I, for example, if I'm negotiating a credit agreement with some bankers, and uh, I've got to take it up to the board for approval. All of a sudden, I've got uh, is, uh, however many board members there are. I've got I've got, I've got that many financial experts uh, willing, who are willing <laughs> and able to, to want to give me advice, knowledge, or tell me that I've done something wrong. As opposed to if you know somebody from an engineering comes in and does a presentation, a lot of them just sit there and let their engineers listen and say, "That's great, uh, that looks good." The finance go. guy shows up and all of a sudden, hey, wait, I got I got eight, eight opinions on finance. <laughs> well, all they need is a Barrons or a Wall Street Journal and they're experts, right? Right. All right. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and how about the satisfiers? Uh, 
in your job? What what have been the the pieces? I think you've spoken to you know problem solving and and building credibility. Uh, anything else you could point to? Um, well, I think it, I get a lot of satisfaction just in terms of um, uh, getting the job done. Not, and basically, uh, as, as I put it, sometimes a lot of um, a lot of our, our activities sort of fly under the radar screen. And, and, and what I told what I told people that have worked for me um, uh, over the years is that uh, if everything's going well in Treasury, nobody knows anything. It, it's sort of like just this submarine uh, gliding through the, uh, underneath the surface of the water. Right. The minute something goes wrong in Treasury, everybody knows it. Yep. Yeah. So, and so the, 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 my 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 sort of key to that is sort of been, you know, I don't want to probably be in a situation where everybody knows I've got problems. I, if I have problems, I fix them. All right. And I want, and what I want is everything to run smooth. Good. Good. And uh, how about the flip to a consulting practice? Uh, uh, how has that gone? Putting aside content, how do you? Because you have to develop your your business leads and and. That sometimes can be painful. The rejection sometimes involved. Uh, how have you liked doing consulting? Uh, I, I, I tremendously enjoy doing the work. It's been uh, it uh, every every situation is different. Uh, every uh, different different people, different industries. Uh, I really enjoyed that in terms of uh, the variety that's been brought to me as far as being able to sort of uh, apply what I know to many different situations. The, uh, the element of it, I think, uh, I mean, maybe the only one looks at it this way, but as you say, uh, developing a book of business and clients, et cetera, uh, is a challenge. Uh, uh, not exactly my favorite thing to do, but I, I was very fortunate in the, when I started to do this, where I had a very good friend of mine I've known for over 20 years, uh, was, was on the board of directors of a few companies in the area here, and he's a huge audit chair. And he basically came to me and said, you know, hey, look, uh, I've got two of my companies that are having horrible problems with foreign exchange. I know you can fix it for them, so I want you to, I want you to be, come and meet, meet, meet them with me, and uh, then uh, and then I want you to uh, and they'll engage you to do do some some work to help them fix uh, their problems, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. And that that's basically started the catalyst going in terms of. Uh, uh, by getting out in the marketplace and then uh, approaching other people, and uh, it's, it's led to um, uh, my developing some clients in California, uh, yeah. and I also have one in the Philippines. All right. Well, it's good to have those early reference accounts. Kind of without them, uh, it's it's still a scramble. Your point of entry: Are you selling principally to the uh, person at the board level, CEO or the CFO or the audit uh, function? Where do you typically sell to? Uh, it's been a combination of uh, either uh, the CFO or the, or the audit chair. Okay. All right. and, 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 and usually it's both of them because there's either been a problem or a challenge that they've, uh, they're wrestling with that uh, they want to get some expertise in and, uh, and they don't quite know who to turn to. And so, so having, having a good network is, 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 uh, is essential there as far as being able to point to people that may be common, common to both of you and allow that person to basically uh, help push me into the situation so that then I have to prove myself as opposed to just writing along the laurels of someone else. What kind of career advice? Let's say you're talking to one of your kids. Now, kids don't typically listen to our advice, but uh, <laughs> what, what uh, kind of career advice, what kind of approach uh, would you recommend uh, younger entrants take uh, or more experienced people? What, what two or three things could you point to? Uh, well, I'd, I'd, um, people coming out into the world, I guess, today is um, if, they, if they're interested in, in a finance career, 
the, most of the entry level positions with a good company will they start to give you the basics there to, to teach you what the world is like and what the world of finance is like. Um, but I would also say, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, um, to try something, even if it turns out to be not what you want. Uh, I was very fortunate where I went to treasury and something that I loved from the first day I've done it right up to today. Uh, but I, I also know people where uh, they've, they've gotten involved in situations where it just it turned out not to be right. And uh, if two things there, okay, you can always try something in a different direction uh, and, and, and try something else. But at the same time, you use every situation as a learning experience. Yep. And, uh, and uh, these learning experiences, uh, they, they accumulate over the course of your career, will just help you um, make it easier to, to further your, your, your progress in any organization that you're with. Yeah, that's, that's a good suggestion. Uh, it reminds me, uh, I don't know if you work with Highland Chung at Reebok, uh, but he, he headed up, he worked in a number of international arenas, and he, he really thought it was great to have travel, to get exposure. You had pointed out earlier in our discussion the value, and, and you were familiar with a different country, and that kind of yeah. barrier that yep. you kind of uh, crumbled in front of you. Uh, and I think the world is getting smaller. So most companies either have or want to have some international exposure. So that that's a good experience, just traveling and just getting exposed to different cultures. Absolutely. That's good. To traveling also, if you're in the organization that has staff overseas that yep. uh, are part of your organization or part of your network in, in terms of what, what you need to get your job done, traveling helps build these really very good relationships, both from a perspective of uh, you, know, you, you get to see and meet the people you're working with, uh, you put together a face to the voice as they're into the phone. But also, what I, what I've, I, how I approach it at times is that when I've gone in, out to visit people in, uh, in different countries and say, you know, uh, I'll be uh, the best thing I can say to them, I'll be back. You know, I'm not yep. going to sort of come today and and, and and listen to what you have to say and then disappear and never come back. Um, you're you're part of what I uh, what will turn out to be uh, some, some ingredients to my success. And so, uh, from a relationship perspective, they they know that uh, it's not going to be a, a one and done type of thing. But I'll be back over and over to, to basically continue to cultivate those relationships and, and help them help them help me understand uh, what's going on out, out in the world because. Uh, you know, a lot of companies these days at least half their business is outside the United States, so you really have to have some of that on-the-ground knowledge to be, be successful. Okay. Uh, just a couple, couple things briefly here. Uh, looking back on your career, uh, anything you would have done differently? Uh, it was in, I faced with one situation at one point where uh, a former colleague approached me about being a treasurer for a company he had just joined. And uh, I, I should have done more diligent, due diligence on that situation than I did because it turned out that uh, ultimately the company was, was about uh, three steps from bankruptcy when, right. I, when I got there. And uh, that's not a fun situation. Right. Yeah, so that's just research. There's a, I think there's an inertia that takes place when people start looking or start talking to the company. Uh, and sometimes you have to slow it down, even if it runs the risk of losing the opportunity and do your due diligence. So that's a good point. Uh, yeah, what, I also, what I also told people that, that work for me, and that's something that I've uh, applied to myself as well, is that when you're looking for, for a different opportunity or for different opportunity approaches you, uh, the thing you have to sort of, uh, and, and people sometimes are hesitant to say, you know, should I go for this new job? Should I not? Uh, you know, uh, it's sort of like, um, you have to say, ask yourself, you know, am I happy with the situation that I have? Am I, uh, am I learning? Am I growing? Am I, am I, am I 
being being nurtured uh, for for advancement um, and uh, relative to this other position, which may help me jump a little bit faster, because all, all the, the 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 treasury tree from a job perspective doesn't bloom very frequently. Right. So you really have to uh, be be fairly certain that you want to go for something uh, when when the opportunity arises, or if it's just a, a lateral to, to what you have right now. You know, your situation may be good, and you may have a body of knowledge where you're you become known and respected within the organization, and that, that's something you lose when you when you jump uh, from one place to the next, and uh, you have to take that into account as well in terms of how, how fast it would take me to get my network back up and rolling, right. and uh, what what if anything will I lose there from the perspective of my own learning uh, experience? And and also think two jobs ahead, meaning what is this job if I elect to take it uh, do for me, and what does my resume look like in three and a half years from now, or what if I stay? What will my resume and what will my career look like? So it's it's always important to do that. Uh, how about luck? Luck, good luck and bad luck. Any any luck in your career? Uh, I'll tell you. I'll give you tell you one 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 quick story that I, that I sort of saw as a piece of luck when I, I was approached for the treasury job at Reebok. Um, I basically went through the motions. We had a n- number of interviews, and then uh, then I got the call one day from the uh, the recruiter that you know Reebok made a decision. Unfortunately, they went with another fellow, and uh, but uh, you were you were number two in the, in the process, and uh, they they really appreciated your. Uh, I really appreciated your participation, and uh, people like you a lot. But um, you just kind of decided to go with other person. So you know, well, you know, some, you win a few, you lose a few, and uh, and that, that was the end of that. About about six weeks later, I got a call from the recruiter, and basically said, uh, "Hey, you still interested in the Reebok job?" And I said, "Yeah, why?" Well, uh, the, the the fellow that they wanted, the, the, the first choice didn't turn out, so they they've gone. They come back to us and said, "Go go go back and look at num- the number two and three candidates. Bring them in for more interviews, and we get to see from those guys." And that 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 situation, I won. All right. Well, someone's so, bad uh, luck turned uh, into your good luck. Right? Exactly, because well, ultimately, when they when I got the Reebok and they told me what happened, uh, the other fellow basically had a bit of bad luck there, which turned out yes. to be good luck for me. All right. Well, good. And lastly, uh, we like to just throw a Hail Mary question here. Is there any uh, funny, exciting, or interesting story over your lifetime, work, or out of work that you like to share with people? Uh, I can tell you one story from Reebok, which I, I tell to people off and on. Uh, when, when, I was, when I was at Reebok, um, at the time, there was a player in the NBA called Alex, Alex Allen Iverson. I yeah. remember that, that guy. Uh, he he ended up uh, coming to Reebok and, uh, and signing a, an endorsement contract with Reebok, and uh, for for about ten years worth a lot of money. And uh, as was as was practiced in those, those particular days, uh, we would insure those contracts in case something happened to the athlete, either injury or or whatever, that would cause us to have to pay on the contract, but ultimately get nothing back from him. And, but unfortunately or unfortunately, there was only one insurance company in the United States that, that took those kinds of insurance risks, and uh, they required a drug test. And so I, I remember being in my office with one of the lawyers from Reebok, and we're talking to Alan Iverson's agent, and finally I said, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to get a drug test for the insurance company. Uh, you know, just normal routine shouldn't be any big deal. And all of a sudden, the agent went flying off the handle. You know, how dare you? How dare you insinuate this, that, and the other thing? And and you know my client is a pillar of the community, and on and on. And, and I look at the lawyer, we're sort of rolling our eyes around, and uh, trying to figure out how to how to do this. So finally, I, I said to the lawyer, "I got an idea." 
I took the phone off mute and I said, Hey, listen, you know what? I, I don't, I agree with you. I don't want to make this any more intrusive on your client than, uh, than it needs to be. I said, but you know, business is business. And so we have to deal with these situations as well. I'll take a copy of his NBA, I'll take a copy of his NBA drug test and uh, should it satisfy the insurance company. All of a sudden there was a dead silence on the other end of the phone. <laughs> and, uh, and finally I said, he did pass his NBA drug test, didn't he? And he said, oh, I'll get you something. Uh, don't worry about it. I'll get you something. So, so my, my, the way I sort of sum up that, that particular phone call was, I'm the guy that made Alan Iverson pee in a cup. <laughs> okay. Well, that was great. I'll, I'll put that in uh, my other notes on, on the, the interview here. So that was great. Well, thank you very much. And I think for anybody uh, pursuing the, the opportunity in Treasury or in the function, uh, they've gained some valuable insight long and ongoing career. So thank you very much for joining Thanks. us. That's great. All right, take Thank care you now. for it. It's a pleasure. All right, bye. All right.